And it's amazing when you hear about something and then you experience it for the first time. And sometimes it, it exceeds your expectations and sometimes it doesn't live up to all that people talked about. How many have eaten In-N-Out Burger? All right, In-N-Out Burger. How many of you guys are In-N-Out Burger people? Not, well, not many have eaten In-N-Out Burger. Um, you know, you hear all this, you know, California, In-N-Out Burger. You got to have an In-N-Out Burger. You ever go to California, have an In-N-Out Burger. I mean, I'm tired of hearing about it. So I went to In-N-Out Burger there in California. And the first time we went there, oh, it was nasty. It did not live up to my expectations. So then they opened them up here. And, you know, and I'm thinking, ah, I'll try it here. And actually, I liked it. So then we were in California last week, and we had another In-N-Out Burger. And I'm going to tell you something. The more you experience an In-N-Out Burger, the better they get. <laughs> amen. Amen. How many Californians are here today? Come on, don't be scared. Wow, don't mess with them, boy. You know what I mean? They like them. I mean, you don't mess with it. I mean, the In-N-Out Burger ain't too bad. You know, I mean, you have those. And now Dutch Brothers. I mean, God loves us. I mean, look at all that's around us, right? California's come to us. Dutch Brothers has come to us. And you, and you wait online for three hours. I mean, you need a coffee to get their coffee, by the way. And, um, and you wait online, and you wait in this thing, and you get these Dutch Brothers. And let me tell you, I like Dutch Brothers. I'm not... I'm not going to be shy about it. I'm a Dutch brother guy. I mean, I, 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 I enjoy it. I mean, it's not, I mean, it's not worth the money, but you know what I mean? It's a, but it's, I, I like the stuff. It's a dessert drink. It's not coffee. I like that. I don't like, who drinks their coffee black? Come on, let me see how many sinners there are here. What's wrong with you? You got to put cream and whipped cream and sugar milk. Well, we've gotten way off. We're not even in the Bible yet, but, but there's something when I had my first cappuccino, I was 25 years old. Never liked coffee at all. I'm in... Yeah, that, <laughs> Next year, we'll mark 30 years since I graduated from high school. But anyway... Um, 25 years ago, I'm in seminary. I'm always tired. You know when you study in the Bible, you're always tired. You're always tired. And I had my first cappuccino. And then I had my second. I was drinking six a day. <laughs> my pastor asked me at the time, he goes, so how you been the last few weeks? I said, I don't know, but I've never been tired. I'm, just, I'm feeling great. I've been the best I've ever felt. Six cappuccinos a day. Loved them. Loved them. Now I got to be careful with that stuff. But there's something when you hear about something, it's another thing when you experience it, how it could change your life. And, and really, when you think about hearing about the resurrection, we hear about it so much. But the question is, have we experienced it and has it changed our lives? I mean, look at this. How would you fill the blank in? Because he lives, I can what? We just sang the song. I can do what? I can face tomorrow. Everyone says that. Or because he lives, I, 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 I don't have anything to fear. All fear is gone. Or because he lives, life is worth living. You know, and, and we could say all the words that Bill Gaither once put together and, and quote that. But do we really believe that? Have we experienced that? Do we really live that? 
I mean, if somebody was to pin us in a corner, we're going to look here in the next few weeks and we're going to see because he lives, I can have assurance. I know that every sin is gone because he lives. You believe that? Do you believe the fact that because he lives, we can have newness of life? That we can be very transformed and not have just a new life, but a totally transformed life because he lives. We're going to see that, Lord willing, next week. And then, and then we can see because he lives, we have hope. Hope of what? Hope of heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that, but we have this hope here that we are going to heaven and nobody's going to take that away from us, that we are going to be with our God one day because he lives and then, and then we're going to see, Lord willing, if we survive the, the breakfast that we're going to have there on, uh, on Easter morning, that we have a mission. Life is worth living because he lives. We're going to look at those verses as well and see how we can live now because of the very fact that he lives. But let's look at something. I want us to get a deep look at the person and work of Jesus Christ this morning. I want us to study a couple of scriptures that we're going to look at, and I hope that it refreshes our hearts. And then we're going to see here in the Bible what it means to us that He lives right now. Let's look at this here in Romans chapter 4, verse 25. It says this, it says, He who was delivered over... Now, now, now stop there for a moment. Because there, there's a debate out, or people debate this. In fact, one guy actually got in trouble for this. He was a basketball player. He was holding a, a devotional, and he said, you know, it was the Jewish people's fault that Jesus died on the cross. And the Jewish people heard about that, and they said, hey, what are you blaming us for? You can't blame us for the cross. Who are you to do that? So the guy had to come out and say he was sorry for saying that the Jewish people put Jesus on the cross. So the question is, is who really did put Jesus on the cross? You look at this and some people say it was the religious rulers. Well, if you, you study the Bible out, they were behind all the plotting and the planning to get him there. The Jewish people delivered him over to the Romans. The Romans, remember, executed Christ on the Roman cross. So was it their fault? Well, how about this? Did God the Father put him on the cross? Let's look at this. This is pretty interesting. He who did, talking about God the Father, he who did not spare his own son. Now, now don't miss this. He did not spare his own son. That word spare is the same word used in the Greek Old Testament of Abraham when it says you did not withhold your only son. So God did not hold back his own son. He did not hold him back. He, he did not spare him. He did not say, okay, he's not going to go to the cross. But here's what he did. He delivered him. Who delivered him? God the Father delivered him to the cross. He delivered him over for us all. And so behind the scenes, here's the Jewish people plotting and planning. Here's the, the Romans going to execute. And, and, and Judas is doing all these things. And behind the scenes, God is there. And God is the one in control. And God delivered his own son for us all. Now, here's what's interesting. I love this verse. If God met our greatest need by putting his son on the cross, will he not also freely give us what? All things. I'm amazed that now that Ellie has 
uh, pick the college and where she's going to go and all that and how God is little by little providing things we couldn't see before she picked the college. And I praise the Lord for that. Even Chick-fil-A just recognized her as an amazing leader and having an incredible father. <laughs> now that part they didn't recognize. But the... I mean, even Chick-fil-A, praise God. Is God going to take care of her? I told her, look, you just live by faith. God will take care. He took care of our greatest need. He will take care of all of our needs. He did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. Look at this next verse here in, in Acts 2.23. It says, this man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God. Remember, Jesus was the Lamb of God that was slain before when? The foundation of the world. And so in God's mind, in God's, in God's plan, this was going to happen. The cross was going to happen. It's no accident. Things didn't get out of control when Jesus came to the earth and God the Father saying, now what do we do? He's going to the cross. No, he knew it all along. And yet, here's what's amazing. He doesn't say, okay, I knew it all along and none of you are responsible. He says this, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. Who does he hold responsible? He holds them responsible. And let's just be honest here today. If we were to talk about who put Jesus on the cross, are you ready for this? We did. You did. I did. He went there for me. He went there for you. And it was all part of God's plan. The wickedness of men were going around, and, but he holds them responsible. We, were resp we are responsible for our sins. Look what it says here in Acts 2.23. It says, you nailed him. He's talking to Jewish people. By the hands of godless men, the Romans, and you put him to death. Romans 4.25, going back, he was delivered over because of what? Our transgressions. We are the ones. That put him there. And you say, what's a transgression? Huh. I like this word. It's the imagery of one making a false step so as to lose footing. Did that happen to Ray this week? He missed a step. What happened to him? Now, look at this. I want you to think of it. an illustration. He missed a step and broke what? His body. We miss a step and we break God's rules. And it's not only missing a step. He did it not wanting to do that. We do it and want to do it. How many times have you seen the sign, no parking? And you said, watch me, baby, I'm parking there. <laughs> How many times have you been in a hurry and you've seen no U-turn? And you're looking around. And you pause. And maybe even say a silent prayer. <laughs> I hope they're not around right now. And then you go. And your heart's still beating because you're waiting for that siren. And it doesn't come. God's grace. But you just broke His laws. We deliberately break God's rules. He says, honor your mother and your father. And we say, no, we're not going to honor our mother and our fathers. He says, don't lie. And we say, guess what? We are going to lie. He says, don't lust. We say, guess what? We are going to lust. We deliberately break his laws. Yes. 
and we're guilty. All of us. Some people say, well, I don't break them as much as the guy down the block. It doesn't matter. You break one, you're guilty of them all. And it's because of our transgressions. Ray Boltz once did a song that really makes us think about it. Does he still feel the nails every time we fail? Does he hear the word crucify again? Think about that for a moment. I'm amazed about my own sin. I'm amazed at the sin in this world right now. Yesterday, I found something heartbreaking. The, the captain of the baseball team has been elected to be prom queen. Queen at Widefield. What's going on at Widefield High School? <laughs> prom, he has to wear a dress. And they're elevating him. And they're saying, Whitefield High School, they were telling me that it's taking a stand, they're showing that gender doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you were born. We just want to show the world. It doesn't matter. Let the captain of the baseball team wear a dress to prom. What kind of a world are we living in? But let me just tell you something. Jesus went to the cross for that. Yes. He went to the cross for what Putin is doing right now. He went to the cross for all of our sins. It's because of our transgressions, our willful violation of His law, of us saying, I know you made me a man, but I'm going to live out and be a woman. I know that you did this, but I'm going to do this. He went to the cross for that. For all of them, our sins. And we know that, but we know that He didn't stay there because here it is. He was delivered over for our transgressions, but guess what? He was raised for our what? Justification. Now, wait a minute. When you study the Bible and you study the word justification, it usually talks about the death of Jesus Christ and how we're justified because He died for our sins and how, how he, he paid the price in our place. And we talk about the cross. We rarely talk about the resurrection and justification. But what does justification mean? It just means that we are declared right before God, that now we are right before God. How are we right before God? Here's the question. How do we know that God accepted Jesus' death? Now let me tell you. We go to stores all the time and we deal with this. Put your credit card in there. Don't pull it out. Wait. We got to see if it's approved. And then we pull it out. And we always do it. We make the mistake, you know, and if we have a grumpy person, they tell us, we pull out the credit card to her, put it back in, put it back in, it didn't take. You put it in, you wait, and then you see that little word, approved. You take it out. You know how we know he accepted it? When he rose from the dead, guess what? God said, approved. We have a hard time waiting a few minutes. Imagine waiting three days. He was dead for three days and they were worrying, what, what, did God approve this or what? Is this approved? Here, here's what's amazing. We look at a crucifixion and that speaks of death of, of a payment made. Somebody says, why don't you wear a cross with Jesus still on it? You know why? Because Jesus is not on the cross anymore. And when I wear a cross with Jesus still on it, all I'm thinking about is his payment. But when I wear a cross where he's gone, I'm thinking about his payment received. What a difference. We know that he made the payment. 
And we know that the payment was received. You say, wait a minute, I need more proof than that. Because the Bible says it, but I need more proof than that. People always say that. I need more proof. Well, you want some more proof? Let's look at another verse. I'm going to give you some proof. This is beautiful. Acts 3.15 says this. But put to death the prince of life. Isn't that ironic there? They killed the one who gives life. They, they, they killed the one who is the source of life. We exist because of Jesus Christ. He created us. And he is the author of life. And he is the one who gives life. In fact, he is the way, the truth, and the what? The life. And if we ever want life, we come to Jesus. God makes it very simple. We go to Jesus for life. He's the prince of life. He is the author of life. He is the source of life. He is the one that they put to death. But guess what? You're not going to keep dead the one who is the author of life. God did what? He raised him from the dead. Now, here's the fact. The fact that we are what? Witnesses. You want proof? Let me show you something. When Jesus rose from the dead, he appeared to the women at the tomb. He appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. He appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12 disciples, the rest of them. Remember Thomas and all that? And unless I see him and touch him and all that. And then the Lord came in and said, all right, touch me. More than 500 people he appeared to. And then he appeared to James. And then he appeared to Paul himself. You say, why is it important that he appeared to Paul himself? Well, look what Paul says here. Paul says, he, he appeared to me, and last of all, as the one untimely born. I don't know if you've ever seen, we had a friend who had a baby that was born very premature, 25 weeks old, and we were praying for the baby, praying for the baby, and, and the baby had no, no chance, and the baby died. Paul, Paul uses that term there, the untimely born, as somebody who is a stillborn, as somebody who had no hope at all. He says this, I was born later in life. I had no hope of ever seeing Jesus. But yet he came to me. People say, well, maybe they were hallucinating. I went to high school with people who would hallucinate. They smoked some stuff, I don't know what it was. I had a girl one time say in the middle of the class, I saw a UFO last night. And then she told us in private, after I smoked this, there's people who hallucinate all the time. How do we know that Peter wasn't hallucinating? How do we know that James wasn't hallucinating? How do we know that Paul wasn't hallucinating and all these people weren't hallucinating the 500 or so? How do we know it wasn't just a big hallucination and he just came and, and he, he tricked the How do we know that? Here's how we know. Ready for this? The burial proves he died. Being seen proves he rose again. Here's how we know. Lives were changed. What happened to Peter? Let me tell you what happened to Peter. A little servant girl. A servant girl. Asked him, did you ever know Jesus? He no, he denies Jesus. There's no way. And he starts cursing. I have never met that man. I don't know him at all. A little servant. It wasn't like an army came after him and told him he needed to. A little servant girl. You know what happens after he sees the resurrected Jesus? He gets before thousands of people. And you know what he says to them? Our Lord rose again. 
Was he hallucinating? You better believe he wasn't. His first message to the church age was Jesus is alive. What a change. He went from denying the Lord to defending the Lord. That was an hallucination. Something's wrong. How about James? You know James in the Bible, the half-brother of Jesus? Do you know what he did? He said, you know what? He's not the same. He's not. They wrote him. They didn't believe in him. They could care less about him. The half-brother of Jesus went from writing off Jesus to writing about Jesus. We have the book of James because of James. What happened to him? Was he hallucinating? No, his life was changed. Do I know? How about Paul? Paul went from being a murderer to being a messenger. You know what happened to Paul? His life changed because he saw and experienced the resurrected Christ. People can deny all they want about who Jesus is. But I ask them this. Explain to me why lives are being changed. What happened to us before we knew Jesus and how are we different because we know Jesus? He changed our lives because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. See, Peter went from denying to defending. James went from writing off Jesus to writing about Jesus. Paul went from being a murderer to a messenger. It changed. Even the two disciples on the road to Emmaus, it was amazing. They come and their hearts are burning for the Lord after they saw the resurrected Christ. But you see, here's what happens. They see us as Christians who say we know the resurrection, but our lives are the same. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. You say, what should happen in my life? Well, come next week, I'll tell you. But what should happen? I can't wait to get to that one. But there is change that goes on. And, and, here's, and here's what's amazing about this. We know. You say, I've never experienced a change. How do I know I could be changed? How do I get to this change? Here it is. Faith. Yes. We put our trust in His name. In the author of life. Faith is putting our dependence on Him and Him alone. It's not trying to get to heaven. It's trusting in Him. Where is your faith? If you say my faith is going to church, I, I, I hope I get to heaven because I go to church, or I read the Bible, you've missed it. Our faith is in His name, in who He is, the Prince of Life. And it's the name of Jesus, and He's talking about here, that strengthened the man, the man that couldn't walk but now could walk, whom you see and know. It's faith. So it's trusting in Christ and putting our faith in Him. And the moment we do that, guess what we know? We know the end of the story. We know that we're going to get there. Now, let me tell you. I heard a great illustration, and I love this. It's so true. How many of you uh, like to watch a live sporting event? I like to watch live sporting events. right? But let me just tell you something. With live sporting events, my emotions are all over the place. It was 2008 when the Giants were in the Super Bowl. I mean, it was a while, you know. 2008, they were in the Super Bowl. Me and Katie didn't have a TV. I begged somebody to go to their house to watch the game. I finally found somebody, and we're going to their house, and we have the kids at the time. Little kid Abigail wasn't here, but we had uh, Joshua in the crib, and Joshua's getting eaten by mosquitoes, and, and they're, they're eating them. I don't care. I'm watching the game. Anyway, so, I mean, they're chomping them. They're chomping. He had bruises all over. I felt bad afterwards, but... But we're watching again. My heart is beating a thousand. I mean, I am. And we can't yell because the lady that invited us over is asleep. So me and Katie are like pacing back and forth. And I'm going, mm, 
Eli Manning, I'm going to London. And then it's the last drive. I mean, the Giants just can't win by 50. They have to win on the last drive. And I'm going nuts. My emotions are all over the place. I'm like, wow, is he going to make it? And then he, he's about to get sacked, and he throws the ball, and the guy catches it on his helmet, and he does and this is beautiful. And then the next one, and then touchdown! <laughs> now, we can't yell, but I'll never forget, Katie, high five. <laughs> That's all we could do. My heart was coming out of me. You know what? Now I watch it, and I still watch the game over and over again, the replay. And guess what? Eli's coming down the field. My heart's not beating. He's about to get sacked. I'm not worried at all. He throws the ball up. I'm not worried if the guy's going to catch it. I know he is. And guess what happens? Eli, you know, he throws the ball. Guess what I know he's going to do? He's going to score a touchdown. And guess, I'm not scared of Tom Brady that he's going to come down the last play. You know why? Because he doesn't. We win every time I rewatch it. <laughs> We know the ending. And guess what? Because of an empty cross, we know the ending. And yet we live our lives. Our hearts are beating a thousand. Things change in this. And we forget that he's alive. See, the very fact that he's alive guarantees that all our sins are forgiven. And no matter how high our sins get, His grace is higher. And no matter how deep we get caught back in the sin, guess what? His grace is deeper. Because He lives. Somebody says, how do you know for sure that your sins are forgiven? Because of the empty tomb. He's alive. And He's transformed my life. And do I fail him? You better believe I fail him, but he died for every one of those. And how do I know God is satisfied because he's alive today? Do you live with that assurance? Or is your heart still beating a thousand wondering whether or not you're ever going to make it to heaven? Well, if it is, you've missed it. You've missed the very reason for the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. We should live more assured than anyone else. Because we have him in our lives. And so I, I have here, because he lives, I can be assured that all my sins are forgiven. So in a world that is so uncertain, and when you put on the news and they say this is coming, a new strand is coming, and this is going to happen, and we could be in World War III, don't let your heart race. Know this, your sins are forgiven because your faith is in Christ. You're okay, and I'm okay, because he lives. What a wonderful truth. I hope that's in your heart today. Let's pray. (laughs) Our Heavenly Father, we, wow, we're so thankful. Because we know you've accepted the very payment for our sins. Jesus is no longer on the cross. In fact, right now, He's at your right hand making intercession for us. And one day, He will come back and take us from this uncertain world. 
But until then, Father, I pray that we live with that assurance that all our sins are forgiven. Father, I pray if there's anyone here today that is not sure, 100% sure, certain that they are right with you because of Jesus, that right now in their hearts, where they are, they would say, Lord, I admit I'm I'm a sinner. I violated you. But thank you for sending your son to pay for all my sins. Thank you that he was buried and thank you that he rose again. And Lord, I call upon the author of life, the prince of life, to save me from my sins. I put my faith in him alone. And the moment we do that, God, you save us. And Father, I pray that today, as we think of all the things that are uncertain in this world, that we would look at how certain our salvation is because he lives. Thank you for who you are. In Jesus' precious name, amen.